Welcome to the Kerwin Baptist Church broadcast today. Our desire is for the Word of God to be spread throughout the world so that all may know Christ. Join us now for a portion of one of our services here at Kerwin Baptist Church, located in Kernersville, North Carolina. Now, what had happened in John chapter 6? Let me fill you in if I can. This is the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus had worked that miracle. We know much about that, that there was 5,000 men, probably plus women and children. And Jesus took five little pieces of bread and a few small fish. And Jesus worked one of the most miraculous miracles, if that is even a term. Um, I think miracle means that obviously is miraculous. But I don't, it, it's just one of the most unbelievable miracles. But when it comes to Jesus, nothing should surprise us. He has all power. And as he worked this miracle and fed 5,000 people, plus wives and children, and not just fed them, but filled them. By the way, you'll find as a Christian, as you begin your walk with Christ, that he doesn't just feed you, he fills you. It's a very different experience. He said, I've come that ye might have life more abundant. Life is feeding, but more abundant is filling. And as he works this miracle, obviously the crowds begin to follow him. And as they get done feeding the 5,000, Jesus slips away with his disciples. And Jesus takes off across the Sea of Capernaum. And then the disciples jump into a boat. And they're heading across the Sea to the Capernaum. And sure enough, here comes a storm. And then in chapter 6, we find that Jesus stills this storm with the disciples. So we're going to pick it up in verse 22. So understand the context. He had just worked a miracle regarding bread. And now in verse 22, I want you to pick it up. We're just going to read these verses, and, and I, you need to understand these for context. And at, you know, 845, 850 in the morning, just, just hold on. You, you, you need this. This is going to really, really help you, okay? Look at verse 22. The day following. This is the next day after Jesus had fed the 5,000, and, and they're in this storm in the middle of the sea, Jesus and the disciples, and he works a miracle there. And the Bible says in verse 22, the, the day following when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there save that one whereinto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone. Howbeit, there came other boats from Tiberias nigh unto the place, notice this, where they did eat bread after that the Lord had given thanks. Talking about the feeding of the 5,000. How Jesus gave thanks to the Father, broke that bread and those fish, and then began to feed the 5,000. Here they are rushing down to the sea, trying to follow Jesus. They realize there's no boats there, that, that literally Jesus isn't there, and the disciples were in a boat, and they had left, but they knew that Jesus wasn't in the boat with him, with them, excuse me. So they were looking for Jesus. Now notice verse 24. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping, which means means that many of them paid a fare, found a boat, and began to try to follow them across the sea of Capernaum. Now notice this, and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. So far, so good, we think. Verse 25, and when they had found him on the other side of the sea, and um, Jesus being who he is, 
Um, it reminds me <clears throat> that what Jesus is, I am not. If I had gone across an entire sea of Capernaum to get a moment's rest, and then I turn around and here they come. I can imagine how I might have felt. Would you guys just give me a day? Aren't you glad we serve a Savior? Any time of the night. Any time of the day. Whatever's going on in our life. We can go right to Him. He never turns us away. We turn Him away. But He never turns us away. And verse 25, when they found Him on the other side of the sea, they said unto Him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath the Father sealed, hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Wow, do you get this? Verse 31, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. We're going to be talking about that next week. I can't wait, by the way. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. They still don't get it. We are thick-headed, aren't we? <clears throat> And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Lord, we need your help today. Lord, every one of us in this building are in this story. We just don't see it. Every one of us today are a face in this particular crowd. We just don't realize it. And Lord, for us to ever understand that you are the bread of life, We've got to understand where we are and see ourselves for who we are and to see you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. At this stage of Jesus' ministry, it was important for him to make clear to people who he was and what he came to accomplish. He introduces the I am statements and it means that Jesus, as a way to explain and try to describe to people his ministry, who he was, all these things, as, as he begins to do that, he, he uses these I am statements to, to make sure they can understand. These were not just meant to exclaim who Jesus was, and they weren't just meant to exclaim what he could do, but they were also meant to make them understand that he was the only one that could do it. You see, for him to say, I am the bread of life, it doesn't just mean that he is the bread of life. It means he is the only one that is the bread of life. He begins with this statement, 
I am the bread of life. And in this passage, the context of the entire chapter, we are given insight why Jesus was compelled to make this statement to these people on this day and how it applies to our life. There's two parts of this story that I want to look at this week and next week. There is, of course, Christ. And there is the crowd. And today we're going to talk about the crowd. And you and I are in this crowd. Notice, if you would, number one, I want you to see the issue. Why did Jesus, as he left them and went to the other side of the Sea of Capernaum, and they literally found a ship, paid a fare, went to all the effort to come across the Sea of Capernaum to seek Jesus. And why did he feel compelled when they got there? Because Jesus knew their heart. He knew their motives. He knew what they were really there for. He he knew who they were better than they even knew who they were. And I want to remind you today that Jesus knows you and he knows me better than we know ourselves. Number one, I want you to look at verse 25 and I want you to see number one, they diminished Jesus as a means to an end. They had diminished Jesus as a means to an end. You say, that's an odd statement, preacher. Well, look at verse 25. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, notice closely, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Did you get it? They said, Rabbi. They didn't say Lord. This word Rabbi means teacher. You see, they didn't see him even after the miracles that he had done. The display of only the Son of God. Only the Son of God could have the power to do what he did. But they still did not see him as Lord. They saw him as a teacher. You say, well, why is that so important? Look at me. To them, Jesus was a teacher, but he wasn't their Lord. Or they would have called him that. You think after what he had just showed them, they would believe in him. But not yet. They just saw him as a person that could teach them something. They saw Jesus as someone that could educate them and help them further themselves. You're going to understand this in a minute. You see, they loaded in a boat and crossed the Sea of Capernaum that day because they felt there was something that they needed from Jesus. It wasn't that they felt they needed Jesus. They just needed something that he could do for them. They saw him as someone that could maybe get them to God instead of seeing him as the Son of God. They saw him as a means to an end. See, preacher, I still don't understand. May I I describe to you today that learning about God will never replace knowing God. Our churches are full of people who are content to learn about God, but they really don't know God personally. Slowly, if we are not careful, we can begin to place God in areas of our life into roles that we want to use him for. He becomes healer instead of Lord. 
He becomes need supplier instead of Lord. He becomes insurance agent instead of Lord. He has become a means to an end. He becomes our getting place. He becomes our emergency first responder. We go to Jesus when we feel that there is an area that he can help us with. They were not following him because he was their Lord. They were following him because they wanted something from him. You see, following Jesus became about them, not about Jesus. Kerwin Baptist Church, this can happen to us. This can slip into our lives if we're not careful. Do we not get frustrated when we feel that God is not helping our cause? Do we not become upset with God when God is not helping to make our plan happen? Do we only grab our boat and cross the sea in search of Jesus when we have a plan that needs his assistance? Or maybe we have an emergency that needs his help. May I say something to Kerwin Baptist Church this morning? We are not to follow him because of what he can do for us. We are to follow him because he's Lord. See, if you follow him because of what he can do for you, the moment he doesn't do for you what you think he should, he is now no longer Lord in your life. They had made Jesus a means to an end. Number two, in verse 26, they desired temporary satisfaction. You see, all these reasons, this is leading up to why Jesus made the statement that he made. This is all leading up to why Jesus said what he did. Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. This is all about you. Notice this. Labor not for meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. Look at me. What was Jesus saying? He said, you're seeking me because you want temporary bread and meat. You're not following me because of the miracles that you saw. You're following me because I fed you a meal miraculously and you want more of a meal. You want something else that satisfies you. Jesus is saying, it wasn't me that you worshipped. It was the meal I served that you're worshipping. You desire a quick fix, Jesus is saying. An immediate solution with no lasting satisfaction. You are enamored with the temporary, but are blind to the eternal. All your focus is on one meal that only lasted a day and bread that only stayed fresh for a short while when you should be seeking what is everlasting in your life. Jesus is saying, you can't see past today. That's why Jesus says, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. We do this, you know. 
Do you understand what's going on here? Do you see where we fit into this story? So often our life is obsessed with the temporary instead of of the eternal. We come to Jesus because of what we want now and what we think we need now. But we lay aside his eternal omniscience. So often our life is obsessed with the temporary. Our schemes and manipulations become quickly stale bread. Our earthly obsessions quickly become perishing meat, as the passage says. We give ourselves to some temporary meal or things that become first place in our lives, and yet we are so quick to feel empty again, and we wonder why we're not more happy in the Christian life. It must be because God hasn't fed me enough. In order to understand, look at me this morning, in order to understand eternal bread, we must understand the danger of temporary bread. To know the value of the eternal, we must understand the lack of value in the temporary. That's why Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves can break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves cannot break through and steal. We think just because we're in the crowd following Jesus that we are okay. We think just because we go to church, pray for our meals, and read the Bible, we must have our priorities straight. And yet as we look at our lives, where is our time being consumed with the temporary? We have done nothing to lay for ourselves treasures in heaven. Besides maybe putting a post on Facebook. Oh, we must be super Christians. How often we overlook the eternal. Because we so desperately want a miraculous meal now. Number three, in verse 28, they determined to be self-sufficient. Verse 28, then they said unto him, Now, please get this. I had never seen this. What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Did you hear that? They said, well, then tell us what is it that we can do so that we can do the work of God. So that God doesn't even have to do it. We'll do it if you'll just tell us what we need to do. Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God. That ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Are you ready? Notice, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? They wanted to learn how to do God's work their way. They wanted Jesus to teach them how to accomplish their agenda without having to rely upon Jesus. They didn't say, well, Jesus, you do the works of God and we'll follow you. They said, hey, tell us how we can work the works of God. They wanted the results of God's work, but they wanted to do it in their power. 
This was not about submitting to Jesus. This was about empowering themselves. And so often that's how we look at Jesus Christ. A way that we can make ourselves better and more self-sufficient. You see, they wanted to do the work. Look at me. They wanted to create a miraculous meal. They wanted to be able to feed 5,000. But they did not want to have to depend upon Jesus to do it. After all, he was just a teacher. Of all the issues this crowd had, this is one of the most dangerous for you and me. We so easily get to the point that we now know the works of God. We know what it looks like. We know how it comes across. We know how to put on that show. We begin to realize how to appear to be doing God's work, but we end up doing it in our own power. We so easily become self-sufficient. 2 Timothy 3, 5 says it this way, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. It becomes about what we do. We work the works of God, but we're missing the power. We must understand the work that God wants us to do is to believe and truly trust upon Jesus to accomplish everything. That's what Jesus said. This is the work of God. And I can see him looking literally. Can you see it? This is, pointing to himself, this is the work of God. That you believe on him whom the Father sent. That was Jesus. It isn't about you guys doing the work. It's about you trusting me to do the work. To do nothing without the power of Christ. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul gives us this insight that God responded to Paul's request that he would take away this suffering. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, God said. And so Paul responds, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Have you become self-sufficient? I think if I was honest, I find myself there a lot. Since the moment I can remember I've been in church, I've seen the works of God. I kind of know how to do some of the works of God. And so do you. And if you're not careful, we can just start doing it and not need Jesus while we do. Number four, you say, preacher, are you almost done? I can't take this much longer. Yeah, I guess. Verse 30. They said, therefore, unto him, what sign showest thou then? that we may see and believe thee. Notice this last phrase. What doest thou work? 
They're talking to the very Son of God, the creator of the universe. Number four, they demanded a sign. They said, well, if you want us to believe that you're the one that God sent, then what sign do you have to show us so that we can see? We'll be the judge of this. What work can you do? We look at that and we think, what a jerk. What a bunch of jerks. Yes, we are. Don't judge him too quick till I'm done with this point. Verse 31, they said this, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat, talking about Moses. They demanded a sign. This is what Moses did with here. Well, what can you do now? They're saying this, Jesus, you need to convince us. They're saying, you need to prove yourself to us. If we see something convincing, then we will believe. Isn't it ironic that they have totally overlooked all the miracles that they had already seen? These are the very people that just yesterday were fed miraculously by Jesus Christ. But that wasn't enough for them. They wanted another sign. They wanted their own sign. They put themselves in the place of authority. As if Jesus needed to prove himself to them. We get that way. We get on our knees and we act like we're a little bit upset that, you know, God, you, I can't believe you've allowed me to get in this situation. Why haven't you done something about this? In other words, hey, I haven't seen anything lately, God, to convince me that you're really able to be trusted. I mean, you know, listen, hey, I, I'm the determining factor here. You need to prove yourself to me every once in a while, God. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. Aren't you glad you showed up at church on a Sunday morning? They gave no relevance at all to all the miracles that Jesus had already done. They wanted their own sign to justify their belief. If you and I are not careful, we can do the same thing. You say, oh, no, preacher, I would, I would never do something like that. Oh, we won't trust God in questionable times unless he gives us some sign that we can still trust him. We conveniently overlook all that God has already done in our life. But God, what have you done for me lately? We get down, fretted, worried half to death. We look around as if God's not in control, as if God hadn't helped you already, as if God hadn't already met every need that you've ever had in your life, as if God didn't give us breath this morning, as if God hadn't shown protection over and over and over again in our life. But God, give me a sign today. This is 2020, you know. We got a virus around. Show me a sign. Do something to make me feel comfortable in trusting you. Can I just, listen, you're all looking at me like, can I have an amen if you agree with what I'm saying today? I'm right about this because this is the Bible. You see, we're not going to see him as the bread of life. 
if all we want from him is bread. God, if you'll just do this, I'll know I can trust you. God, if you will just heal, if you'll just meet this need, if you'll just change this person, if you'll just make this happen, if you'll just take this out of my life, if you'll just make me feel that I'll be okay. You know, it's funny, they even tried to use God's word against him. They said this, that, hey, listen, our fathers did eat manna in the desert because Moses gave that to them. Hey, they had a sign back then. We need a sign now. Yes, you, uh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you fed us one meal, but hey, our fathers were fed for 40 years by Moses. If you're really God, then why can't you do for us what Moses did for them? If you're really God, then why are you letting this happen to me, Lord? We come up with our few verses that we want to throw back in God's face as if he didn't write it. And we're saying, God, I think today you need to prove yourself to me again. Because I'm just not convinced. Thank you for listening today. We hope you received a blessing from our broadcast. The Kirtland Baptist Church is located at 4520 Old Hollow Road in Kernersville, North Carolina. You may also contact us by phone at 336-993-5192 or via the web at kerwinbaptistchurch.com. Enjoy our services live and all our media on our website and church app. Thank you for listening to the Kerwin broadcast today. God bless you.